Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. I am excited to have you with us listening today, whatever day or time of the day it is for you out there. It's time for me to bring you the story of another great dude who has struggled with those weight challenges and and gone through other ones as well that I think are going to you know, paint a really rich picture of his story when we dive into it. So today I want to welcome to my podcast, PJ. You may know him as WTCBTC on Instagram. Want the change, be the change. PJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, man. It's a pleasure to be on. I'm glad to have you here, man. And we're going we're gonna to dive right into it and get to that first question that everyone has to tackle. And that's what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, uh, so over the past five years, I've actually lost, uh, I think the most I lost was 210 pounds. I put some muscle back on, but uh, the big thing is, is I was able to overcome type 2 diabetes in the process, and it actually saved my life. So so you've lost over 200 pounds, like, which is incredible, man. Mm-hmm. What was, how did you get to that point, though, that you hit your heaviest weight? Like, tell us. What was it like? Did you grow up as a big kid? Was it something that came on to you later in life? Where did where did your problems with weight develop? Oh, a hundred percent. I was I was always a bigger kid. Um, I, I I talked a while ago with obese to beast, and the I mean, even when I was uh, uh growing up, I was too I was too big to play Pop Warner with the other kids, so I couldn't play football. I mean, there was a lot of things that held me back, and uh, my parents my parents you know growing up back then that was the late nineties, early two thousands. And of course, you know, they were concerned, but it wasn't as big a deal now as we see with like processed food and stuff like that. So they started taking me to doctors and saying, hey, you know, obviously our kid's overweight, what's going on? And they even took me to a child specialist that dealt in the weight and he he sat and, sat and talked to me for about 30 minutes and said, no, he's just, he's a normal kid. He's just going to be a big kid the rest of his life, which was probably horrible advice because then my parents were like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with my son you know, we should just be fine with letting him, you know, do his thing and enjoy his life. So, I mean, from then, like I kept growing, um, in high school, I I mean, high school, I was wearing like a four XL. I want to say in high school, I was probably a little over like three fifteen, And then, uh, after high school, uh, it, once you, (laughs) after high school, I, I mean, I had a house with a bunch of friends and, uh, we were, we were all bigger guys. So we would, uh, there was there was no self control. Once you turn eighteen, and you have a job, and you're on your own. You can do whatever you want. You 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 bet I was eating ice cream for breakfast and <laughs> having fast food every day because it was just me and two two other guys. And you know we're eighteen at the time, so fast food, pizza every day was our life. We weren't cooking or anything like that. So um, that happened. And then I think one thing that um, also was affecting me was too is like later down the road, I was probably. Uh, I was engaged for a while and uh, we were both going to school full time and working full time. So we would literally, I would wake up in the morning, go to go to work from eight to five, then go to class from six to nine o'clock at night. And every night was fast food. And that was for like two years straight fast food, everything. There was no cooking. I would, and I, I, and also I, where I worked, I worked uh, at a financial institution and we were actually located inside of a, a grocery store. So I would stare out all day at we were we were literally located right in front of the tree aisle. So all all, all day I would literally we'd walk out, we'd get snacks, and uh, I would chug two of the big like 
the biggest Red Bulls they had, like I think like 30 ounces or something like that, I would drink two of those two. And uh, that just really escalated my weight. And we just, it was one of those things that we kind of fed off each other and it kind of turned into a toxic thing. So it, that's, that was where I was at my heaviest. And that was uh, right around 24. And I say that I lost 200 pounds and it, it may have been more than that. The last time I stepped on a scale was I was 395 and I didn't step on a scale again for another year after that. And that was like, and I was, I was still eating. Like, so I, I say 400 was my heaviest, but I never stepped on a scale after 395 and I ate for another year after that. And yeah, I, I think that's, it's, it's funny. Cause of the, I, I've talked to a lot of guys, you know, on this podcast and it's often something I think we all hear is that when you get up, you know, to your heaviest weight, you're not really going to scales a lot. You're not checking in and being like, oh yeah, that's still there. And it's, it's funny, like the, the mentality of it too, because I remember the day I stepped on a scale and I saw 395, I was like, I was mortified inside, but to think back, like I, I was scared, but obviously I wasn't scared enough to let that affect me. And I just kept going. And basically in my mind, I turned that off as well, I never need to step on a scale again because it's just going to make me, you know, uh, freak out. So we don't need to worry about that. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't have is or they don't see is that your health can change so quickly. And that was something that affected me a lot. And uh, I I was I was never sick. I was never I never had any issues. Um, you know, at my weight, they thought I was a type two diabetic. They were always having me tested and uh, it didn't it didn't occur until I started having other health issues. So, I mean, a lot of people, you, you know, you may be healthy at one point. I mean, yeah, you may think you're healthy at the weight you're at, but it's hard when, you know, other things start stacking up and they just snowball into so much more into bigger issues. Oh, I think that that's a really great, a great point. And we're going to get into what happened for you. I do want to highlight because I think you hit something that like a lot of people shy away from talking about or kind of don't acknowledge. And that's that like, once we become you kind of hit get outside of our parents control you know because there's there's times that we all spend you know living our lives and some of our parents make good choices and some don't really know the best choices to make when they're dealing with having overweight children but when we get outside of that control for a lot of us it's it's not that okay now i know to have you know a protein and a starch in a vegetable and and you know i know my portion control and i know all of those things like we head out into the world without those those locks in place and like you were saying, like you live, you know, a couple of guys living in a house, you know, ice cream for breakfast, fast food all the time, ordering a pizza at two o'clock in the morning. Those things don't they're not odd. It's not like weirdness, like it becomes like a regular part of your life. And then you just carry that forward and it just becomes this everyday cycle that can literally grow, you know, as your body grows. But it, it it's just amazing to me that there you sometimes I talk to people that are like, well, I would never think to eat that way or I would never think to do that. And I, I sit in that perspective of I would never like I would never think not to eat that way. Like for me, it was like I can pick all the food I'm buying now. You know, if I want to get, you know, X snack cake, you know, four boxes of it because they're on sale, I can get those and bring that into my house and I can bring 10, <laughs> bo 10 bottles of soda because it's on sale. And. Yeah, you have that choice to do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like that freedom for some people, you know, becomes, you know, almost a problem in and of itself. And so it's it's always interesting to hear people talk about that experience and the way that that shapes them going forward. And 
I, I relate a lot to what you're talking about with health problems, saying that they weren't there until they all of a sudden were there. I remember like the most excited me and my me and my friends were was there was a new food place that opened up and they delivered pizza till four in the morning. So, oh, so like we would, I mean, we would all hang out and, and like I said, it was a group of us and we were all like bigger guys, but, uh, and, but also we were like, the, I would say we were like the class clowns. Like we were, we were all super liked in high school. So it was never like that never occurred to us that like we thought we were okay. You know, no one's judging us for our weight. We can do whatever we want. Um, but one thing that you talked about, uh, I was re-listening to Alex's podcast and, uh, I was, uh, the more and more I was thinking about stuff before we got to have a conversation, uh, being a closet eater was something I was definitely, even with my friends, no matter how much we would eat, I was one of those people that I wouldn't eat a ton in front of my friends, but I would sneak off and I would binge. So I think, I think subconsciously I knew what I was doing was wrong at my, even at my young age, but, uh, I, I had such, such an addiction to food. And I think it was, I think, I think a lot of people go to food for comfort and, uh, I, I mean, still to this day, it's something that I still, you know, if I'm having a stressful day, there's nothing like a, a nice thing, a carne asada fries that I want to make me feel better. But, uh, it's, it's crazy that what control food can have over us. For sure. And like you said, with the scale, like it becomes easy to ignore, becomes easy to look past it. And I think the more you're eating in secret the easier it is to just keep doing it and to reinforce it because there is no kind of check and balance there except for yourself and you're enjoying it. You know, you're getting that comfort, you're getting that dopamine hit, you're getting that rush. Like for me, the secret eating, like it was a thrill. Like there was like almost like it was, that was my fun in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I could, I, I enjoyed the public spectacle. You know, I, I'll admit that. Like I was one of those people that like, Oh, you want to watch me eat a large pizza, I'll eat a large pizza in front of you. But ordering eight Big Macs on my own, like, was just as thrilling to me. Like, it's it's amazing the the processes that our brains adapt to as human beings. Like, we're, we can, we can start to do some really wild things and make it a part of our normal. It, it is like, it's, it's almost like having, it's like having a high. It is because, um, I've never told this story before. So this is funny. But like you were saying, uh, I, there was one time that, uh, my fiance and her family, well, my ex fiance and her family went out of town. So I stayed in town to watch their uh, dogs and I went and I hit every single drive through from, um, where I was living to their house. I went through every drive through and I got stuff at Taco Bell. I got stuff at every single fast food and went to their house and just binged. And I was like on a high, I was like a little giddy kid being so excited to order whatever I wanted at every single fast food. Like I went into their house with like four or five bags of just full full of food, and like I was just so excited. Like now that I look back on that, I was like, why? What? What made me like so excited for that? Like that was like a thrill for me. Like I woke up early because I was so excited that they were out of town and I could just go and binge, and eat whatever I wanted to. Like it, it, it but I knew that I was in, I was in like secret because I was by myself, so no one was gonna see me. Like it's just like, <laughs> it's crazy what food will make you do. Oh, it, it is. And, and I get that like extra plan, you know, the getting up early, the planning around it. Like I, you know, even I think about like they, they put in, it, they didn't last long in this because we're, I'm deep, you know, in the Northeast here, we're deep in Dunkin' Donuts country. Uh, but Krispy Kreme tried to come into the area. They were eventually kind of beaten down, I think, by Dunkin' Donuts, like beaten up in an alley and kicked out. But 
they opened and they have Krispy Kreme has that for people who I don't know how anyone who doesn't know this, but they have the sign that goes up of like when the donuts are fresh. And I remember there were times that I would circle that place waiting to see that light go on to know that I was going to be able to get fresh donuts and, you know, and then time the rest of the food I was going to get, like, on, especially on a Saturday afternoon. Like that was always my ritual, like Krispy Kreme donuts and a family meal from Popeye's chicken was my favorite thing on the planet. But could I, could you, like, I knew I couldn't sit down with my friends and eat a 10 piece family meal and a dozen donuts. Like I, I knew there was something wrong about it, but I still did it. You know, it was still something that I needed to do. And the funny thing is, like, is I would know that kind of things, too. But, like, still, like, I um, funny thing about Krispy Kremes is we have it here. And there was one place in town that had to throw them out every night and they would give them to us. So me and my friends would go there every night and they would give us all of the leftover Krispy Kreme donuts. And I would like me and my buddy would go all the time. And, like, I would sit there and my buddies, uh, he's, he's a bigger guy. He's actually lost a lot of weight with me as well, which is awesome. But, uh. He's one of those people like you said, he he would go and he would do the food challenges and he would he would sit there. He would eat like 20 scoops of ice cream, all this crazy stuff. And it's weird to me. Like I, I did so much thinking over this past week of like stuff. I don't know. I was just I've been doing a lot of meditation and just trying to clear my head and really, you know, think back and, and reflect on the stuff that I went through. And it was funny that I would sit there and I would watch him eat, like do these food challenges. And I was way bigger than him. He He never got huge. But I got, I mean, I would sit there and I would eat a salad while everyone watched him eat this big, you know, big steak or whatever. And I would judge him for it. And then as soon as we would leave, I would drive home and I would buy bags of bags of food and sit in my room and eat them. It's crazy that like, it's, I had a weird mindset when I was growing up. Like I I know, um, I, I think I had a lot, I think I had a big ego for a long time when I was heavier, which is weird to think that. A guy who who uh, was that big and couldn't do much had like the h- most hardcore ego in the world. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's crazy the the things that we put ourselves through. And do you think like that ego, like to dive into that for a sec, like do you think, you know, it was more like you were like, well, you know, I, I eat in, in secret, but at least I don't make, you know, that kind of display of myself in public. Like where, you know, wh- what was going, what was the judging like? What do you think was happening? It it may have been that like so one thing that one thing that I was super proud of like when I when I lost all my weight is I bought a t shirt that had like uh like a like a donuts on it I I had a button up shirt that had donuts on it when I was bigger I would never wear anything that had food on it because I felt like I was being judged like I I could if if a product had food like if a t shirt or like like the shoes like the Vans had like a piece of pizza on something I could not buy it because I felt like I was being judged well they I felt like in my mind people would be like well, no, duh, he's a fatty. He's going to wear something that has pizza all over and stuff like that. So I I always was, it's funny. I was always really hard on myself, but I also had an ego to where I was like, oh, I, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm not a big guy. <laughs> that self-awareness that we, we build up is, is kind of amazing. Like, you know, that you're able to, to separate those parts of yourself out, you know, like think I don't want to be perceived this way, but I'm still going to do this behavior that obviously, like, I, I used to think that too, like, oh, I, you know, there were times where I'm like, well, I don't want anyone to think that I'm like this, this slob, but, you know, I was, you know, over 500 pounds and could barely stand. Like, there, people knew I was eating, whether they saw me eat or not, like, it was clear that they knew there was something going on. Like, it's, it's, 
it's amazing what we can compartmentalize inside of our heads to allow that behavior to still be enabled. Yeah. I I mean, I, I remember, I think I made up, I think when I was a, even, I mean, it still affects me now. I think I made up so many fears to get out of things like fear of roller coasters, feel of fear of like being on rides because I knew I wasn't going to fit. So I, I made up so like just recently I went on my first roller coaster ever, but that's because, but it's still like, like I got done. I wasn't super scared, but like I, I realized that I was so, I was so afraid. My biggest fear was getting on a roller coaster and the thing not clicking and then me getting off in front of everyone. That was huge. That was, that was one of those things that I was like, I, I think that I built up a fear of from that and just being like, no, now I'm scared. I'm scared of rides. I can't do them guys. I can't go on these rides with you because it's just, it's a fear. I have panic attacks and stuff like that. And it wasn't that it was just, I would make excuses for, you know, my size with other things that legitimately people couldn't dispute. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you though, hit a point where you, it, it wasn't just imaginary fears going on. You, you, you hit a real health scare five years ago, like face something really challenging. So I want to see if and this kind of changed the direction of your life at that point. Like, let's, let's start to get into that, man, and talk about what happened to you. You know, it was, it's almost five years ago to the day that we're, we're talking about this, isn't it? I, I think it was like it was the beginning of February, 2015. Yep. 2015, February, I was actually at this day, I was in the ICU laying in a bed. So, um, so five years ago, uh, probably right around December, I was, uh, I was having, you know, lower back pains and stuff like that. And, uh, I, it was getting worse and worse over time. And, uh, I was noticing that like I couldn't sit. And then when I'd stand up at her, like it was just going on. And finally I was like, okay, I need to go to the, I need to go to the doctor. So I went to our urgent care and they were like, yeah, you have a, a cyst on your tailbone. Um, this happens to people. It's not a, it's not a huge deal. It'll just, we'll just drain it and it'll be, it'll be done. I was like, okay, not a big deal. Um, so I was taking antibiotics for a week and they're like, come back and we'll lance it, uh, lance it open and drain it. So I went back, they went ahead and lanced it at the ice or at the urgent care. And as soon as the doctor cut that, uh, cut it open, he's like, do you smell that? And I was like, it stinks. It's horrible. He's like, well, I think there's feces in this. And I was like, that's I, I was like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to tell you that doesn't sound good. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to tape you up and I'm going to send you the the ER right now. So uh, basically, the reason he was he was concerned is he thought that the cyst was so large that it ruptured my colon. And actually, so my, he I, I maybe had feces leaking into my bloodstream. And that's what he was really concerned about. So uh, at that point, I went over to the uh, ER. Uh, I sat in the waiting room for like two and a half hours bleeding until they got me back. And uh, it was, it was a horrible experience because by the time they got me back to finish draining everything, I was, uh, I was no longer numb and they wouldn't give me another shot in my back. So I, so I sat there for two, uh, for like an hour while they just drained this thing with me completely unnumb, screaming and kicking and like, Oh my God, it was, it was some of the worst pain of my life. But uh, that happened. And, uh, the cyst left, uh, basically you, there was my skin and then underneath my skin, it left a hole and that hole was six inches, uh, deep and three inches wide. So, I mean, like the, like the, I, I say it's like a softball, but it's, that's almost bigger than a softball. And, uh, so 
they uh they packed me full of gauze they they gave me some antibiotics and said hey listen we're gonna refer you to a specialist and we're gonna see you know what he's saying and he'll maybe look and see if you're if we need if you need to have surgery because basically what they do is they do a surgery once you have this cyst uh to remove all of the bad tissue and they basically cut open and take out all the dead tissue anything that could be infected around it and then sew it back up so this doesn't happen again um, because once that pocket's open, it's very, very likely it'll happen again, um, which is so, which is that's actually why I'm having surgery on Monday to finally get this taken care of. So, but uh, so I, I went, I went home for a while, went and saw the surgeon, started not feeling well. And I noticed that I was like getting really nauseous. And uh, the surgeon, when I went to my uh, surgeon appointment, he's like, yeah, no, it looks fine. We're just going to keep you on my antibiotics for a little bit come back in two weeks and we'll see how it's healing. I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, went home, was just laying on the couch, uh, was, was feeling very sick. Then I started, uh, started throwing up almost every day, every day I was puking. Um, I was, uh, just anything I would eat, anything I would, even if I, if even water, I was throwing up. So I, I stayed home for like probably seven days before I went to the hospital or before I went back to the doctor, I called him. I said, Hey, you need to see me. Cause there's not, some, there's something that's not right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really not feeling well. Um, I'm just throwing up constantly. I can't keep any water down. Uh, I, my, uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember actually during this time I was watching, uh, the Super Bowl because the Pats were playing. And, uh, I remember I was losing my vision uh my vision was going and uh so basically what uh was happening is i was sitting there laying on the couch and i was watching the game and i would literally like have like cross-eyed and then my eyes would just go blurry and i and at that point i just thought i was tired i've always been one of those people that i'll wait till i'm dying before i go to the hospital literally and that and that's that's what always happened here um so the doctor gets me and he said, yeah, come in. Let's take a look and see what's going on. Um, I I get to the doctor. He's like, uh, you seem fine. I don't see why you're throwing up. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's a surgeon. He didn't have like all the stuff to test me at his office. He's like, you know, you, you're not, you, you don't seem to have the flu. You just, you're throwing up, you know, I'm not sure what could be wrong with you. So let's, uh, let's just get you over to the hospital, have some blood drawn and, uh, we'll see what they say. Uh, and they're going to do an x-ray on, on your stomach and stuff like that to see see what could be going on. So they take me over. I'm getting an x-ray. I puke. Uh, I puke all over the x-ray machine. Uh, get my blood drawn. Uh, throw up in there. I mean, I'm puking everywhere. Uh, and I, at this point, I'm like, I need to be admitted, guys. And they're like, we, we can't just admit you for anything. We don't know what you have. There's no, There's no cause to admit you. You can go to the ER and then they'll admit you. And I was like, you know, you, you just did my blood work, whatever. Let me just go home. I'll just go home. And then once the doctor calls me, I'll be fine. Um, so I, I get in the car. I don't even make it out of the hospital. And I get a call from my doctor. And he says, you need to turn around and go to the ICU right or the ER right now. And I was like, okay. So uh, I went back to the uh, flipped around, drove around back of the hospital, went straight to the ER. And uh, two nurses were sitting outside with wheelchairs waiting for me. And, uh, they, I came out, they sat me down there. I come in, we got to get you into the back. I get into the back. They, they both start trying to get IVs in me, which took like three hours. They couldn't get IVs in me because my body was, my body was so dehydrated from throwing up for 
you know, a week straight that I had no liquid in me. Um, and basically, uh, they finally started getting IVs in me, started getting some fluid in me. Um, I was being the jokester that I am messing with all the nurses because, uh, you know, everyone acts different, reacts differently. Like men, when I know when I go through anything I tragic, I try and make light of it just to keep my, just to keep myself calm. Cause I knew I was freaking out, but I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know it was wrong. And I didn't, I didn't really get the gist of it, of how bad it was until a doctor kind of came up and told me, he's like, Hey, listen, um, you know, your blood sugar is really high. You, uh, are pretty much on the verge of death right now. Um, there's a lot of things, uh, that, that I'm really, the, one of the doctors said, I'm, I'm surprised your eyes are even open and you're talking to me. So, uh, when I went in there, uh, normal blood sugars anywhere from like 75 to uh, 150 and 150 is like really high. Um, so four anywhere over 400 goes, uh, is you start having, uh, your kidney failure in a, you can go into a coma. Mine was 795. So, uh, at that point, they put me in the ICU, started trying to get fluids in me, and uh, a doctor came in and asked me, he's like, uh, my doctor came up and he's like, hey, so what was your plan uh, when you were leaving here? And I was like, well, I was going to go home and give take one of the pain minutes, uh, one of the pain pills you gave me, and I was just going to sleep until I figured out what was going on. And they let me know, they're like, if you would have went home and took that pain mil- pill, you would have been dead in 20 minutes. And at that point, it kind of, it kind of sh- took me for a, a, a real loop and uh so I, uh, my mom and my, my mom flew out from Colorado and I didn't realize that they were basically, they didn't know if I was going to live my blood, my, I sat there for a week where my blood sugar wouldn't drop under 600. So it was, a uh, it was, it was a stressful time. And then, uh, that really opened my eyes. I was like, you know, I was 24 at the time. I was basically, I basically written my own death sentence. And that's. I know there are guys out there listening that are like you and are like me and are avoiding these issues and letting them build up and letting those health problems mount up and get worse. And we accept things every day. Obviously, that's a, it's terrifying to be in a hospital, you know, to be sitting in a hospital room and not know what's going on and be told that you could have died. Like I, when, when I had my issues with pneumonia in 2017, I was told if I had waited a couple of hours, I would have been dead. Like, mm-hmm. you, I know then your head starts to race on everything that's happened, you know, everything that you've been through. Like, what do you think? What I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase this question the right way. Like, what do you think kept you from from kind of reaching out to doctors before? you know, this happened, like what, what built that up in you? Like, where did that come from for you? Like that kind of like not wanting to see a doctor, not wanting to bring those problems forward. I think honestly, I, I knew in my head I wasn't healthy and I, and I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to come to terms with it. Honestly, like if I, if I, if I had any issues, I didn't like, I, if I went to a doctor, he was going to tell me that I had issues and I, I wasn't, I didn't want that. And that's a hard, I think, I mean, and that's something I still struggle with today. Like I, I sh- like I probably should have got this cyst removed a long time ago. I'm, I'm very stubborn when it comes to medical stuff. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to get better at it. And I, and I think that's something that I'm trying to grow this year with is really trying to understand. Uh, I've, I've taken the time I've lost the weight. I've let myself get physically healthy. Um, I need to really focus on my mental health and understanding that I need to take care of my body as well. Yeah, I've, I've lost all the weight. I've done the proper things, but there's things that I need to get looked at. Um, 
but I, I need to get better on being on top of the, uh, going to the doctor. But I think I was, I was so, so scared that something would come up. Um, my, uh, my grandpa died of cancer. I I've had a lot of family who had medical issues. And, uh, I think that was always a fear of mine was that I was going to go to the doctor and they were going to tell me something bad. So I was just like, if I don't go to the doctor, nothing bad can happen. I got you on that one. <laughs> I figured out right. the loophole. Well, that's, it, it doesn't have to be real. Like, yeah, I, I think, I think that's something people don't get. Like I know for me, I could identify the symptoms of every problem that I had and had done a fair amount of like Googling on how to handle and like how to cope and like a lot of those things. Like, but until you sit down with a doctor in an office or, you know, in the ER, it's not re it doesn't have to be real. We're really good at, at that complete compartmentalization. If that makes sense. Completely. I, before when, when the cyst started to happen, um, I actually had a, I made appointment to see a doctor cause I thought I had diabetes cause, um, before the cyst happened, a, uh, I was traveling and I was so dehydrated and I had frequent urination so bad. And those are, those are very, I mean, those are big things with type two diabetes. And like, I was, I was literally, I was driving on a car ride with friends and I literally was crying cause I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I was like, you guys have to pull over. And this was like every. This was like every 30 minutes to the point where I was almost, you know, urinating in my pants and I was, I couldn't get enough water. And also, you know, I was a bigger guy. I didn't know back then. So I was slamming soda because I was dehydrated. So I was, I didn't want to drink water. So I was like drinking juices and stuff like that. And then just peeing every 30 minutes. And like, we, we had like a three hour car ride and I had to make them stop like every 20 minutes. Cause I just, and I like, like I knew what was happening. Like I knew in my mind, I was like, I have to go see a doctor. But then I still put it off. I was like, you know, it's one of those things. I think that if it's if we don't have to hear it from someone, it doesn't have to be real with us and we don't have to face those issues. Completely agree and relate. I I remember. Even like at, even when I would try to sleep, I would still wake up every half hour or so to go to the bathroom. Like that intense, intense urging, like, you know, it's it's insane and you can know what it is. And still say, you know, I'll figure out a, you know, I'll figure out a way to live with this, or I'll figure out a way, you know, I'll, I'll deal with this tomorrow, you know, tomorrow I'll go get it checked out, like I'll call oh, someone, yeah. and then you never do because it's so no. easy, to, it's so easy to fall back into adapting to what's going on. I mean, I, I think it's just it's I, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and they like uh, my grandpa was very old school Iowa, r raised on a farm and stuff like that, and. I think that got instilled in me a lot too, because he was one of those people that you don't go to the doctor for anything. You don't go to the doctor unless you, unless you're bleeding. So uh, when I was uh, 13, I broke my arm, and uh, my grandpa didn't take me to the doctor because he didn't see any blood. So I went four weeks. <laughs> I was staying in Iowa with them. I went four weeks with my arm in a sling until I got home, and my mom uh, at that point had already healed mostly. But one of my friends had hit. We were playing baseball, and he hit me with a baseball in the arm. And my whole like elbow uh, got this huge knot on. And I took it to the doctor. They took me to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "His arm is broken." <laughs> oh was, wow! Yeah. So I mean, I think that was like from a young age, I got instilled where we don't need to go to the doctor. We'll just figure it out. Right. Oh wow. Here you are, five years ago though, in the in the in the intensive care, like under the care of a doctor because your blood sugar is so out of control. 
what 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 happened next like where do, where does your story go from like what you know take us through like i don't want to jump right to and then i lost 200 pounds like where what happened to you once it was time to like even leave the hospital like where was your head at what was going on so uh i remember i wish i could i wish i could find this girl because i i would love to see this girl today and talk to her she was a, a nurse and uh they uh so like a week before i got out they said okay you're gonna be on insulin shots so you're gonna have to give yourself shots every day um every nurse would come in and uh would uh just give me the shot and walk out uh this one this one girl came and sat with me and she's like i'm i'm not gonna give you your shots anymore you're gonna have to do this i'm gonna make you you give yourself your shots and uh so she so she sat down she uh we sat for like 45 minutes for me to give myself a shot in the stomach for the first time. Um, and I would do that uh, over and over. And I think it's like, but when other, when other nurses would come in and just give me a shot in the arm, I, I think it was one of those things that I wasn't doing it. So it was kind of like, I, I didn't think it was real until, until she handed, handed me a needle and she's like, okay, um, you need to stab yourself in the stomach now. Um, that's when it got real. So, I, uh, I, I got over that. I, I did my first injection and then, uh, I was basically told you're going to be on two different kinds of insulin and metformin. And then something, I forgot what the other one's called for my blood pressure. Cause of course my blood pressure is through the roof. Um, so I was finally discharged from the hospital and I just kind of started, uh, uh, my mom came home went to my house where me and my, uh, my fiance at the time lived. And, uh, she kind of, my mom's like, you know, you guys got to get rid of all this garbage in the house. We had, because of course we just, we ate like crap. So my, my mom kind of started going through our house and, uh, got rid of a bunch of stuff, went in, uh, bought groceries and stuff like that and bought all these, uh, bought as much health stuff as she could and really kind of got, got our house set up and she started looking for recipes and stuff like that. My mom was really, was really on top of it, uh, which was awesome. So, uh, I was just starting getting back in the routine. I was basically on short-term disability, so I was out of work for a while. Um, so I had some time to recover once I got off, got out of the hospital. So I just kind of started per getting into this morning routine of waking up. I was my blood sugar when I got out of the hospital was still uh, in the four hundreds. It was still extremely high. Like they couldn't get my blood sugar down. They told me it's going to take a while because I had been so high for so long that it's just <laughs> that's probably what my resting blood sugar was. So so. Uh, I would go home. I would, I started giving myself, I give myself two shots in the morning, one shot at lunch and then two shots at night. Um, and I remember just like, it would take me like an hour in the morning to get my, to give myself a shot. Um, and the, like I look back at, look back at it now. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it's not painful. It's really not that bad. Um, but it's, I think it's just, the the idea of the idea of it just like i was i remember sitting there with like needles in my hands and being like man i'm 24 years old and this is what this is what i've resorted to in my life like i i just like i i've done this all over eating food all over something i can control this isn't this is this wasn't like this isn't like i got cancer or i got you know something that happened in my body that i maybe i, I couldn't control this was i did this to myself and that really opened my eyes when I started taking responsibility for a lot of the, sh the stuff that I'd done. Like I realized, you know, Hey, this, this was my fault. 
I let myself get this big. I mean, yeah, it was there was there times that, you know, growing up I got big, yeah, but I I really got big after that. I mean, that was that was my fault. And I knew I could have changed it when I turned 18, but I just let it keep going. So, I mean, it's one of those things that's like I think I I had had enough of it and I knew that I needed to change if I wanted to to live. Um so I started eating healthy for a while and that was good. It was going well. Um I don't think this is something that a lot of people talk about, which it is a big factor. Um, if the person that you are with um, or, you know, whoever your support system is, does not want, does not have the same goals as you or doesn't, you know, necessarily believe in what you're doing, it's going to be hard. It's not going to, it's not going to be the easiest road. Mm. Um, I was, I was doing well for like a month. And then uh, my fiance at the time, we, she did not want to cook. She didn't want to do anything. I was fine with cooking, but I was also working full time and it was just, it was stressful on me to have to do it all. So, uh, we just instantly went back to fast food, um, really quickly within, I say about a month. Um, I was still checking my blood sugar and stuff like that, but I knew, I knew it wasn't going to end well. I knew in my heart, I was like, I don't want to die. So, um, there were some issues there. We both, there was a, she didn't want to make the same changes I did. I had uh, some bigger visions for my life. So uh, we ended up splitting up and that's kind of what really uh, started my journey. Cause I was on my own and I could do my own thing and really live the way I wanted to. So it let me uh, kind of be free and uh, put myself first. I'm very much a people pleaser, no matter what. If if I'm in a situation, if I'm a, if I'm in a situation, I rather make someone else happy than be happy myself. So uh, that was that was my first time really having that for myself was being able to do my own uh, do my own thing and make myself happy. I I really think you hit on it because I read so, I was reading something the other day that says once you open your eyes to the truth of of something, it's hard to go back to the lies, and and I think that's what's you know, is there for you, like this idea that you took, you had to take responsibility for yourself and that for years you had kind of abdicated that responsibility and kind of let it be out in the universe and be, be someone else's, someone else's thing to handle. Because if you took responsibility for your life, you would have to have turned, you'd have to turn around what you were doing. And then to have that impact your relationship, like it, that, that had to be a challenging time for you, man, like to see, something like that affected, you know, by this base desire of yourself to want to live and be healthy and realize that something that was an important part of your life wasn't supporting that goal. Like, and, and I'm not saying like, let's talk about responsibility or blame or anything along those lines, but just seeing those pieces, you know, and having to figure out that those pieces couldn't exist together at the same time had to be something that was a challenge, but, you know, like you said, also gave you like this new starting point. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I don't want people to take that the wrong way that if, if, you know, say you and your significant other, uh, one of you likes to do keto and the other doesn't want to diet, it, that doesn't mean that you guys have to break up. But I just saw the, the, the way that I was going, there was, there was also other issues, right? There, but I just, I just knew, um, that we just didn't have the same vision. So I was, you know, and I knew I was 24. I knew that um, at that point, if I wanted to live <laughs> and live a healthy life and accomplish the things I needed to, I, I had to to make that change. 
And and like you said, as a people pleaser, I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision for you to make, you know, knowing, you know, I, I think immediately, like in my head, like I think about like how that decision will affect everyone else. But it, it was important for you to think about how it was mostly going to, you know, how it really was going to affect you. And I think that's important. Like, I think on these journeys, like we were a lot of us, especially people that deal with weight problems, massive weight problems. We are the people pleaser that worries more about other people being happy. And we feel selfish when we put that focus on ourselves. And we feel like, you know, somehow we're doing something wrong by doing that. But it's really important, you know, that you not only take responsibility for yourself, but that you are able to figure out how to put the focus on yourself because you're turning back patterns that have existed through your whole life. You know, you're, these, this is not easy work. Like, it's not easy work. And you can't do it unless you are able to put your, make yourself a priority. Oh yeah, I think I, mean, I my whole my whole life I've always been a, a people pleaser. I want to make people happy, and I think that comes from my own insecurities. That I think that if I make other people happy and I would keep them happy, then they wouldn't judge me for my my issues, or you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't they would feel a certain way about me because I always kept them happy and I did whatever they wanted. So, um, I think that's something, and I I finally was at this point in my life where I was like, I need to take care of me. I need to take care of what I need. And, uh, and that really changed my life. And that, and that changed me a lot. I, I tell people a lot of times the person that I was when I was 24 to now is a completely different person. Cause I honestly, I, I, I almost feel like the person that when I went to that hospital, I feel like I did die. I feel like that person that was the old me did die. Um, cause I feel like a completely different person. My, my worth, my work ethics changed. Everything in my life has changed from, from that moment on. Um, and, and it's, it's just been for the better. And so let's talk now. So what was, you know, you said you had to take care of yourself. What, what was, what did take care of yourself mean? Like what happened for you then? Like where, where did your, where did your, where does your journey take you from there? So, um, at that point, you know, I, I just started, I, I cut out all sugar. Um, I, uh, one, one doctor in the ER, the only doctor that would tell me this, uh, I know doctors don't like talking about this. Some do, some don't. One doctor in the ER said, you know, you could get rid of your type two diabetes if you lost the weight. Um, and that stuck in my head the whole time. And I knew that sugar was the thing that was causing my body issues. So I cut it out completely. Um, anything that had sugar in it, I just stopped. I went basically, uh, water, um, and whole foods. Uh, I cut out a lot of processed stuff and that was, that was my main thing. Um, I just, I kept it very simple. I know a lot of people, uh, asked me like, Hey, what did you eat? And what did you do? I was like, <laughs> egg whites and spinach, man. I, I kept it real simple T tuna water. Um, but I think uh, the biggest thing that a lot of people are surprised about is like, I didn't spend a lot of time in the gym at first. I spent no time in the gym. Actually, it's all about my, it was all my diet. When you, when you have a, when you're, when you're at a certain weight and you change your diet completely, you will be surprised on how fast you lose weight. Um, when you start cutting, cutting out the liquid calories that you drink, the, the processed food, the sugar, you know, the salt consumption. I mean, people, people that like now I freak out about salt consumption because I know I'm going to hold water, but like people don't, I didn't know back then that if you have so much sodium a day, you're going to hold so much water weight or that cheese is going to stick in your blood. It's going to stay in your system for a long. Like, it's just like certain things that like you have to, you, you start learning when you start caring about what you're putting in your body. 
that right there, caring, caring about what you put in your body. I think that's really, that's important. You know, that's, that's an, an important realization. Um, but that was, I mean, that's how my journey started. I really just, I, I, I cut out all the stupid stuff. I cut out this, I, I kept it simple. I didn't go for any, I, I didn't do any diet plan or anything like that. Um, which I think, I think diets are great, but I think diets are something that, and I don't even call it, I don't like calling them diets. I think you just have to build your lifestyle around something that works for you. That makes you happy. Um, I, I, I hate people seeing diets, uh, but putting an expiration date at the end of it, you, because just because you, once you get to your goal weight I mean, uh, say you lose, you know, 30 pounds on a diet and then you quit that diet and you start going back to your same things. They, they all need to be based on building a routine or building a structured lifestyle. You can't just, uh, go on a diet for six months, lose the 30 pounds you want to lose and then go back straight to your regular routine and eating like crap. You have, you have to use each diet a diet you're on and build uh, characteristics around how you're going to live your lifestyle after the diet. And I think that's one thing that uh, is really kind of lacking in the, uh, the health industry is a lot of people don't talk about, you know, after the diet, they talk about the great, the great things that are going to happen before they don't talk about it after though. They don't talk about how you need to, you need to be doing these certain things to make sure that you're set up and you're structured and you understand you know, why you're losing the weight or what's going on so you can continue to maintain a healthy lifestyle afterwards. And that right, bingo right there, man, because I think if you're, you're looking at, you know, a way of eating that someone is offering you or, you know, a, a lifestyle change or a diet or whatever you want to call it, and they don't talk about how you build a livable, sustainable life through it, then move on to another person, move on to another resource. Like if there's no no kind of offboarding or, you know, after diet plan or after, you know, kind of like full life plan to be built. You're going to, you're going to miss the pieces that you're going to need. Like you, you need those, those things are not just, you know, it's not just fun. It's, you know, it's, it's great to see the numbers change and it's great sometimes to do, like, I, I think there are a lot of people that like don't know how to, to build a healthy eating lifestyle for themselves. And so maybe they need some structure and they need something, you know, defined for them. But you still, like you said, you still have to find ways to take it and turn it into something that you can live for the rest of your life because this, this struggle doesn't go away. Like, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily change completely. So I, I think that awareness is really important. And, I, and the one thing that I, so continuing as far as like what I was going through at that point, um, when I started losing the weight, I think a lot of people have to understand um, everyone's out there looking for this magic quick fix and it's, it's not going to happen. There's no quick fix to lose weight. Um, I mean, there is quicker ways to lose weight. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about is, um, me and John touched on this a little bit. Uh, after I lost probably, I was about 200 and I was down to like 280. So I'd lost like 120 pounds at the time, 120 pounds at that point. Um, I started getting addicted to uh, the scale and watching that number and watching that number uh, rise. And I would let that, I would let that number determine how I felt about myself that day. So for a long time, I mean, I, I, I don't try and step on the scale that often because I'd still, it still affects me. I still like if that number goes up or down, I mean, I, that's one thing that's huge, but I want people to understand that you have to really be careful with that kind of stuff. So I was losing weight. I was seeing the scale go down. Um, and then I started getting into understanding, oh, 
you know, the simple, the simple thing about losing weight, it's all about a calorie deficit and how many calories you're consuming. And then I started realizing, okay, if I eat less calories and less calories and less calories, I will, you know, I'll lose weight quicker. So I fell into, I, I fell into that for a long time. And that is something that I, I, I preach to people I talk to now. I said, do not let yourself go down that road. Uh, you're going to lose weight quickly, um, but it's not sustainable. It's not going to be the thing that you want in the end. Um, I mean, I, I was cutting down to, I think, uh, probably for a month I was eating 300 calories a day. I mean, I was, eat, I remember what I was eating was I would, I would, wouldn't eat for lunch, wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat breakfast, wouldn't eat lunch, come home. I would eat like a sleeve of rice cakes and then go to bed. Like that was, that was my life for a month in uh yeah, I lost a ton. I was, I lost a ton of weight, but you also build so many negative habits and attributes with when you start doing that. I have, um, I have like still to this day, it's really hard for me. I still have a terrible relationship with food to the, like, um, it's not as bad as it used to be, but like I used to, I would used to eat lunch and then feel guilty for eating. And, and that's, and that's a hard thing that, that people don't, people don't see that is that, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I know like a lot of people talk about binging and stuff like that. And I would have that, but I would have that after not eating for a week, um, of being so restrictive. So you, the, I, I, I preach diet a lot. I, I, I'm really into bodybuilding and stuff like that. That's, that's what I'm really into, but I preach the diet the most because that's the most important thing. You, you, I, I tell people, people ask me all the time, you know, Hey, what exercise do you do in the gym? I'm trying to lose weight. And I tell them, I was like, don't, don't worry about that. You got to, you have to worry about your diet. You can't outwork a bad diet, no matter what you do. I say, I don't care how much you lift, how much you go to the gym. If you're eating, you know, you know, 6,000 calories in a day, you're not going to burn that. Unless you're a triathlon and <laughs> superstar, something like that. Um, it's just something you can't do. Oh, and, and that's like, I, I, cause I talk to so many people that will go and spend their first, you know, go to their first time at the gym and get on a machine, you know, get on a treadmill or an elliptical or a bike and put in their numbers and get, go to town and, and pedal for two hours or walk for two hours and then look and see that they burned 300 calories and be like, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? Like you're, you're, you're hitting on something I think that's really important. And that's that, you know, food is a, a driving force in our lives when we're massively obese and when we're losing weight and when we're living, like food is, you know, every human being needs food to live. And if you have a bad relationship with food that gets you to 400, 500, 600 pounds, that doesn't disappear just because you lose the weight. That doesn't go away. Like it in a lot of ways transforms. And that's what I'm hearing in your story, because I can relate to that a lot. Like that idea that you went from someone who avoided the scale to then the scale was dictating kind of the moves you were making in your life, like in ways that were clearly not healthy. Like, I, I think that, you know, is something that I struggle with right now because I'm working on trying to move away from tightly tracking eating to trying to get into more intuitive and eating when my body is actually hungry. And a big part of that is, you know, so sometimes now I'm eating at night and I used to eat all my food during the day. And a, a big reason of that, like a friend pointed out was, you finish your your food early because then the next morning when you get on the scale weighing yourself every day, you you have less food in your system, so you see what you consider a more accurate accurate weight. 
Like I it's completely true. Yeah. And, I never thought about that. And if I eat at seven or eight o'clock at night, I'm still going to have the food and the sodium and the water and all those things in, in the system. And it's going to affect me. So I, the point, the long winded point I'm trying to make is that there are tools that we use on our, our health and fitness and weight loss journeys that we can eventually realize helped us at one point, but we need to let go of them in order to move on and like build a stronger, healthier relationship with ourselves. Like, for me, for a long time, weighing myself every day was something I needed to do to see how different foods affected me and different micronutrient ratios affected me and how I felt and help my coach, you know, kind of adjust my macros and all of those things. But now, but now weighing myself every day is a detriment. It's something that, you know, keeps that focus and control on me in a way that isn't healthy. And so I've, you know, I've moved towards weekly weighing at this point. And might I eventually make that bi-weekly or monthly? Like, I, I think it's important to be mindful of, of how different things are affecting you. And like, I, I relate a lot, you know, I, I hate, I, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Like, I relate a lot to what you're saying. Like, that just sounds so cliche. But like, when I lost all of my weight in 2012, 2013, towards the end of that part of my journey, like, I was eating probably between it. I was not down to 300 calories a day. I can say that. Um, but I was probably closer to the 700 to a thousand range every day. And then some, I was doing, I was eating that every other day. You know, I was alternate day fasting and then eating a thousand calories a day. And that was keeping my weight moving, but that wasn't healthy. That wasn't something that I could sustain. There was no way that that was going to be something I could build into my life. But I was obsessed with numbers at that point. I wasn't thinking about what comes next or how do I how do I move on with my life or how do I live a healthy life. I was just thinking about get the number on the scale to match what I want the number on the scale to be. And and we build those disordered patterns and we transfer it and we allow it to still exist and I I think it's something you know you can't just you can't just assume that you're cured because the weight on the scale reflects the number you want to see. Like you have to think about how are you approaching food and your relationship with food and your relationship with your body so that you can build a healthy relationship with both of those things? Because that's the only way to really, I think, be successful in the long run and to really kind of make those permanent changes that you need to make. Yeah. And I, I, I tell, I tell people, a lot of people this, that it's losing weight is such a mental thing. It's so mental. You have to, you have to mentally make that change that you're ready to do it. Um, you need to mentally prepare for the, the things that are going to go along with it. You got to mentally prepare for the ups and downs. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You have to understand that it's a process. Uh, and you have to just understand that, you know, consistency and you know, keeping, keeping uh, control over what you're eating is really going to help you lose the weight. And I, I'm very open on my Instagram about, you know, uh, like trying to be open about as like, far as my mental health and stuff like that. Cause I, I, I still, I mean, I think we don't, I, I, you know, everyone, everyone wants to paint a beautiful picture on Instagram, but I'm, I'm very real as far as like, I still, I mean, I still talk to people about how I struggle, you know, with the scale. And like, I, I, there's some days that I just can't step on it because I don't want to feel bad. Um, I still, you know, there'll still be days where, you know, I'll emotionally because I'm stressed at work and I'll have something bad, but also it's being able to understand yourself and know that, okay, um, I'm not going to give up because I had one bad day. And I think people have to mentally prepare that too. I've seen so many of my friends and I was the same way. I would try and lose weight when I was growing up and I would have one slip up and then I was done. Well, well, I messed up already. There's no point in going back. And people, 
I mean, there's 365 days in a year. You think one one meal is going to mess up your whole diet for the year or you're holding a lifestyle? Don't you got to understand that we all we're all going to live and we're all going to enjoy our life. We can't, you know, res- or give up everything. Um, a big thing that I talk to uh, people is like when I when I started losing my weight, probably when I lost my last 50 pounds. I was a heavy drinker. Like I was, I was partying every night. I mean, I was, I was young. Obviously I I got an ego. I finally had lost all my weight. I felt good about myself. So I was getting attention. So going to the bar and drinking every night was, was my thing. So, and not eating. So I was like barely eating anything and then drinking heavily. And then I would throw it all, I'd throw it all up the next day. And, but also I would, I would dance for like, like I'd go in to the bar at like, eight o'clock at night and we'd dance till like two in the morning with with everyone i'd just leave the bar sweating so i would be burning calories not eating drinking alcohol um but i i i don't look at that i look back at that and i tell people you know you can still enjoy your life in in be living a healthy lifestyle i have so many friends that you know that want to get on this journey and they're like well you know i have to give up all the fun things in my life was you don't have to you just have to build levels of you know where where you're going to fit these things into um and you have to i i that's why some people like always ask me like you know how how did you lose so much weight and stuff like that and i'm like i don't give them that story i give them the outline of you need to watch what you're eating you need to do that i know the proper way to lose weight i know that for a while there i did it the improper way and i don't want to preach that message because the improper way it, the improper way will mess you up more than you know it leads it leads to binge eating it leads to you know, fearing the scale, it leads to, you know, fearing certain foods and it gives you a lot of, it gives you a lot of issues. And I don't want people to go through that. So when I talk to people, I just, I tell them, I tell them the correct way to lose weight in the way that I'm doing it now, because I don't want people to, that's the one, the one reason I started sharing my messages. I don't want people to live through the issues that I live through, especially with like my diabetes and stuff like that. When I know that people can change. And so I always preach, you know, you can change. You just have to, you have to want that change. And, and that's really important. Like that's, I I think that's a tough love message that a lot of people don't want to hear sometimes is that they can change when they want that change enough. And they think they want that change. But I, I, I talk to people all the time that, that say, you know, I want to lose weight, but I don't think I could. I can give up my nightly X, Y, and Z, or I can't change this, or I don't have time for this, and I can't do that. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I know people with five kids that work two jobs that are doing all these things that you say you can't do. You know, I know people that you know are in very different circumstances than you are that are that are making these things happen. Like you have to figure out how to make that change the priority in your life. Like how to bring that forward it's it, and that's the thing if we all want something in life we'll do whatever we want to get that i mean i mean it's it's as simple as you see people at black friday that camp out all night they wanted something so they sat there and did it it doesn't matter if you're freezing cold or if they gotta you know fight an old lady for 30 dollars off a of tv they're gonna do it you just it's people aren't ready to make changes and that's the one thing that you People have to understand. You have to be ready. Well, think about like when with the way we used to be, you know, the sneak eating and those kind of things. It took work sometimes to hide that behavior. You know, you had to you had to plan and and you know work around it and and fit it in time wise and make things happen. And like you wanted that food, so you found ways to get it. Like 
you have to put yourself into a place where you want the change enough to actually make it happen. And so that, that that's going to be one because I know that's something you talk. I mean, obviously, your Instagram handle want the change, be the change is is an important part of the message you want people to hear. Like what I'm wondering is like, so say there's someone sitting listening right now who's saying, yeah, but I do really want it, but I just don't know how to make that change a priority. Like, what are your suggestions for someone who's in that place of of not knowing how to, to, to get to that place of really wanting the change enough to make it happen? I think I, I was, I was been, I've been in that. I've had friends in that situation. I always tell people that when they're at that point, they're overthinking it. They're overthinking too much. Um, I did that a lot in the beginning. I, I knew that I wanted to change. Um, I sat and I watched hours and hours of YouTube and health coaches and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I got this. I, I would do that for weeks being like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have this. Um, I, I'm going to buy these shoes. I'm going to get this clothes. I'm going to be ready for the gym. I'm going to go to gym, get this. I'm going to go buy these foods. But it doesn't matter if I'm just sitting there and making all these plans. I always tell people, you have to stop planning and just start doing. No matter what it is, like if you wake up and you're like, okay, Monday, I'm going to go to the gym. Go to the gym today. Like what's stopping you from starting right now? What's stopping you from going on a walk? It's, it's all about an allocation of your time and making sure that you are actually using your time appropriately. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, like my, my mom's on a health kick. She's, my mom's never been a bigger woman. My mom's like four, two weighs like maybe 90 pounds, but she's always been even like, I remember as a kid, my mom would watch a TV show. And then during the commercial, she would stand up and like do jumping jacks or something like that. That was her thing. So I always tell people like even small stuff like that, like say if you say if you're sitting at home and you're watching TV and a commercial comes on or something like that, drop down and do a couple pushups, do something to get you, just get you, get yourself active, or active. Um, starting a hobby is really good too, like that. Like a big thing, uh, I really wanted to get back into playing softball and like sports and stuff like that. And that really helped. So I think we, we just are so, we mentally beat ourselves up and we, we tell ourselves, you know, that, oh, I'll wait till then. I'll, I need to get, I need to get these things. I need it to be perfect when I start. I need to have everything in roll. I need, I need to, you know, it's, it's one of those things like you don't need it to be perfect to start. You don't need all this fancy equipment. You don't need a, a, you know, a membership here or this, that just start with little changes. Like that's all it is. It's just little changes and they add up to huge successful moments in your life. So just, just stop overthinking. That's the biggest thing I can tell people is people overthink the the complication of it and just start. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm also curious, PJ, because you talked about, you know, some of this disordered behavior that came up when you were losing weight and, you know, lost weight in, in, in ways that, you know, at times that you obviously aren't going to preach to people as the best choices. But I know you also mentioned to me that, you know, there's still times that you deal with with some of those challenges and those behaviors. Like, what is your what is your message to the people that are are coming towards the end of their weight loss journey or have hit their goal weight and are, are living their lives? And are seeing that those those challenges and those behaviors are those those challenging disordered behaviors are still popping up in their life. Like, how are you dealing with that now? And and what is your advice to someone else who is in that struggle? I think I I look like I said this year I'm really trying to focus on that and make make better changes for myself. Uh, I still um I still struggle a lot with like body dysmorphia and stuff like that. I've never been diagnosed with it, but um. I still like when I look at myself in the mirror, I still see a bigger guy. Um, I, 
I still, I still, I'm hard on myself for that. Like I'm really hard on myself about it. Um, and like, I, I have a really good support system around me who, who helps me out a lot. And there's, um, just, I think with, you know, nowadays, a lot of people, we all get stressed at work and we, we just let a lot of things eat at us. Um, I just tell people, I would tell people that, you know, look how far you've come. And that's something I repeat to myself a lot. Look how far I've came. Look how much I've accomplished. Look how much I've changed. You know, you, you are stronger than you think you have done so much. And, and I, I, I've started to meditate a lot in a, I started meditating and doing yoga because I, my flexibility is garbage. My joints are so messed up from carrying so much weight. Um, so I've started doing meditation and yoga just to, in the mornings, just to really let myself uh, be in control. Cause I feel like a lot of us get so overwhelmed from our day-to-day lives that we, we feel out of control of what's going on. So starting to put myself in control has helped out a lot And and basically coming to terms with a lot of things. Like I, I, I've basically just been able to look back and say, Hey, I know that, Hey, I'm going to eat. It's going to be fine. The scale is going to move up and down. Um, and I, I went for, uh, for like the, like a probably a couple months ago before this whole thing came back up and my surgery coming up. Um, I tried to put on weight for, uh, for muscle and boy, was that a roller coaster when someone, <laughs> when you lose a lot of weight and then you start eating a ton of food to, do that and you're not mentally prepared and you still have issues with the scale. Oh boy, that, that messed me up for a while. But, uh, you just, you have to be strong. I mean, and I think a lot of people will got to understand that. Like I said, I'll preach this a million times. It's such a mental game with weight loss. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to, you're going to be down some days. You're going to be high other days. It's just like you, you have to understand that you, got to trust yourself i think that's a big point is trusting yourself like i i know i know i still struggle with binging but i think if i uh binging and under eating under eating is probably the one i struggle with the most because uh i just i've never been a big breakfast person person i work mostly all day so i almost a lot of times i'll either skip lunch or end up uh eating a uh a small lunch just because i'm always busy at work so uh it's just understanding the process and understanding the things that you have to get better at. It, it's a lot of mental. You, you know, I've been trying to figure out ways to make this better. Like today, um, I know today I'm going to Vegas. I'm driving to Vegas in a, the only reason I'm driving to Vegas is because I'm getting ready to have surgery and I've done so well with a lot of the stuff in my life that I'm going to have a nice lunch in Vegas. So, and I'm not, I right now my head's clear. I'm not afraid of that. I know I'm going to go have some beautiful Korean barbecue and I'm going to be very happy and I'm not going to stress myself out about it. And I think that's a good place to be at. I think you have to understand that uh you have people have to understand that this is our life. We have we have to enjoy it. And to be stressed out all the time about it and constantly worrying is is not going to be good. It's just going to make things worse. So that's what I've really tried to get around so like today i it's a beautiful day out i know i'm gonna go have some beautiful korean barbecue food i'm gonna be so happy once i'm done but i also i know like it's just a meal this doesn't destroy all the progression this doesn't destroy the 200 pounds i've lost you know i got it's just you know i'm trying i'm trying so hard to get better at that it's it's it is a battle but you know it comes in times 
Oh, it really is men. And I, I think that's really important. Like, I, I don't think we, we talk about this enough. Like the, what happens when life is not about weight loss exclusively anymore. Like, obviously it's about maintaining the, the, the losses you've made and, you know, living your life and your new body and all of those things. But there's, there's times where we have to realize, like, cause we spend, we spend so long, especially when you're losing 200 pounds, 300 pounds. You spent so much time in that place of worrying about being in a deficit and the scale and controlling everything and all of those pieces that there are things that we sacrifice along the way because we have to. You know, there are times where we don't go to certain social events or we don't, you know, interact with people that are going to push different things on us and things along those lines. And then you realize when you've when you've come through that journey that there are going to be times where you're going to it's going to be okay to make choices that are outside of that rigid rigid structure you've lived in for years like you're able to start thinking about like and this is the way a lot of a couple of the, the guys that i i've had on the show and have really helped me come around to is like thinking about is the experience worth it you know and if the experience is worth it and it's going to take me outside of the quote-unquote structure of my diet like can i can i be okay with that and i think in the past i wasn't you know like when i lost weight the first time you know, when I when I had those off plan choices, those sent me spiraling into a bad place. And so I think someone who's not ready to deal with that mentally has to think about that. But when you're in that healthier place and you're able to kind of deal with your life the way it is, like you said, you can have that nice lunch. You know, I went to Disneyland last year and I ate a Matterhorn macaroon, which is probably the least keto treat on the planet. You know, it's it's sugar and flour and coconut and white chocolate poured on top and all of these things that, you know, my diet, my quote unquote diet plan says I shouldn't be eating. But I had one with my sister on a park bench in the front of the castle in Disneyland. And we had an amazing time together doing that, you know, and that experience was worth that to me. And I didn't have to then wake up the next morning and be like, what am I going to eat next? You know, bring on the donuts, bring on the cake, bring on the ice cream. Like, you can have moments and realize, and it's okay. Like, and the, I want to go back to something you said, like you said, trust yourself. Like I used to say for years that I don't trust myself around food and that's why I avoid things. And I'm learning that I can build that trust back in myself. And I think that's really important. Like learning to trust yourself again and realize that there are going to be like my miles telecron who's been on the show a couple of times says Sometimes like to learn and build that trust in yourself, you have to try things and take a loss and move on from it and adapt and change and grow. But I think it's really an essential part of our journeys is to learn that we can eventually trust ourselves again, that we can learn that there are voices inside of ourselves that aren't just the ones that are trying to put us back into that negative place, but they want us to win and they want us to succeed. Yes, exactly. And I think that's beautiful that, you know, with with that moment you know you having that macaroon stuff like that and it's it's we still have to live our lives mm -hmm. you you still you can't just give up everything and say i'm gonna cl eat clean eat healthy 100 percent time maybe if you're a, an athlete and that's your job but you know you, you know if you're going out and you know you're going to events with your friends and family you travel say you want to travel to italy or you know, around the world, you, I mean, yeah, there's still going to be times that you're going to have good, big, enjoyable meals. And it's, it's part of life. I think it's, it's, you just have to understand it's going to happen. It's life. There's, there's no way around it unless you, unless you want to be super strict your whole life and not enjoy certain things. But I'll tell you for, for sure, if I go to Italy and stuff like that, I'm eating pasta, I'm eating pizza. I know when I come home, I know when I come home, 
that I have to be back on my regular routine, but I'm going to enjoy the things that I have, you know, in my life for, I mean, and that's one thing I look at too. Like I'm not going to not enjoy my life. I almost lost my life at 24. So if there's something that I want to do, I'm going to do it and enjoy it. You know, I know that the one, you know, say that's a one-time thing, the 99% I'm not doing that thing. I'm on my diet, I'm clean eating, I'm doing the things that make me feel good, but I'm still going to take that 1% or more time to enjoy my life. I think there's a difference between doing that in living and using the, I got to live, you know, I, I hate, Oh yeah, I, completely. I got to, I got to live, you know, like that is, I, uh, there's nothing more frustrating when you see someone like someone, you know, who is still deep, deep or just beginning their weight loss journey and still like in the throes of all of those challenges. And then they post a picture of like, you know, their drive through McDonald's Burger King hall with the hashtag gotta live. And it's like, no, that you're, you're not at a point. Like, I, I think you ha things have to be worth it. And we earn these experiences. Like I, I don't, I think if every day is a treat, then there's no treats anymore in your life. You know, there's you know, no there's, treat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's no more. If every day, like people, like people like ask me, like, tell me what your worst cheat days were like before. I'm like, my whole life was a cheat day. Like there's no worst day. Like pick a random day and I'll tell you what happened that day. Like when, when the, when the treats become normal, there's no more treats. So when you, I, and I, again, I know there's probably people listening that are saying like, especially people. I think that deal with like diagnosed clinical eating disorders. I know there's, there's, there's structure and behaviors and patterns that they need to put into place, you know, to protect themselves probably for the rest of their lives. Like, and I, I'm not trying to say that someone can't do that, but if you're built, if you're able to build a relationship with food that allows you to have those moments where you eat off of your plan and you go back on the next day or the next choice, be okay. Be, the bigger, the bigger lesson is don't let that mentally beat you up. Like let that that moment be something that you chose to have happen and, and empower yourself. Like I don't like even now. Like I, if I like I ate a cookie a couple of weeks ago, you know, from the the coffee shop that I go to every day because they looked amazing. They they baked them fresh there. I knew I wanted to have one, and that was going to be one of the things I wanted to do. Like, and I'm the keto guy, so having a regular chocolate chip cookie, it's not a keto item. It's the size of a small, you know, the, the size of like a coffee saucer. Like it's, it's not something that, you know, fits quote unquote into my macros. But I made the choice to have it. So when someone says like, how was that cheat for you? Uh, no, it wasn't. A, no, there's no cheat in my life because everything I do is a choice. Calling something a cheat, I think, takes the, the, takes the blame quote unquote away. So then I don't have to deal with the consequences. But when I know that I choose to do something or like I choose to go have a certain meal or have a drink or have those things, and then I wake up the next day and I feel a little extra cravy or I feel hung, hung over or, you know, for me, like when I eat, if I eat something that has a lot of wheat in it, I'm going to wake up and my joints are going to be sore. Like if I acknowledge that I made that choice, it's easier for me then to deal with the after effects and get to where I need to be again, like to get back into where I need to be because I can feel empowered. It's a very powerful thing. But when I allow myself to say, oh, well, that happened. Oh, I screwed up. Oh, I threw that away. It's easier then to make another bad choice because then I can start to be like, well, I'm a screw up. You know, why, why not screw up again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. And that's, and I think that's when people think people really have to understand that you, 
once you lose your weight or in your journey, you're still going to have to make choices of, you know, is it worth it? Does this is, you know, is, is having, you know, a piece of cake worth, you know, at this birthday for your, you know, your kid's birthday or whatever, or a family member's whatever, if you have a piece of cake is, you know, is this going to be worth it to, you know, if I'm going to spend a little more time in the gym or am I going to change my diet up or is, am I just going to live with it and understand that, Hey, I had a couple extra hundred calories, you know, it's going to be fine. Or am I going to let that spiral into, Oh, on the way home? Well, I had, I had, uh, some, some sweets. I might as well stop and get, you know, some food on the way home and stuff like that. And that's one thing that's huge to me. I've noticed too, is that, uh, I was never like a really big sweets fan more savory for me, like beef jerky, like salt, that that's what got me. Um, but I notice now that like, if I have something sweet, even if I don't want it, I find my brain wanting to go back for it. It's crazy that sugar, because sh- I cut sugar out for so long. Sugar is definitely like something that when I have it, like I feel myself like, oh, I want more of that. Like my brain, my brain tingles. If I, if I have, you know, if I have an Oreo, uh, I want the rest of the the package <laughs> but it's 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 learning how to understand the way your body reacts with stuff completely I, I i definitely agree with that like sugar for me is one of those things that i know if i have a little bit my brain's gonna want more of it and i just i know that i have to turn it off i have to understand that that's what's going on it's not that i'm hungry my brain's just craving that sugar and that's that's an important lesson you know to eventually that i think people need to know that there's hope that you can get to that place you can eventually figure out when it's your head and a biochemical process in your body saying eat sugar or eat something sweet or have dessert or have more steak or have whatever. And when you're actually physically hungry, like you can eventually learn those lessons just by being mindful throughout your journey and really kind of learning how your body reacts. And it's just know that there's hope that if you feel like you'll never be able to distinguish between those things, that it is really possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It- it's you just have to you have to like i said trust yourself you'll 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 see how it goes um i talked to so many so many people that have type 2 diabetes that you know ask me about my story and stuff like that and i said you know you just have to trust yourself and really put the work in um trust what you're doing um stick true to yourself um listen to what your doctor has to say um but make sure that you know you're you're doing the right things that make your body feel good you hit on a buzzword that I want to I want to come back to now because you, you you said you brought up your you know people with type two diabetes and your type two diabetes. So let's talk about where PJ is today. Like, where are you at with with that? Are you still do you are you still required to take medicines? Like, how 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 is that for you? I haven't touched any medicine uh, in three years. I've been completely off of medicine. Um, so no insulin, no metformin, no nothing. Um, I, I trusted myself for the process. Um, that's why I, I, I do hold a lot of trust in myself. I, I put a lot of weight on myself. Um, then again, I am a very bold, hard-headed man who does dumb things. I'll tell you this right now. When I, I, I stopped taking my insulin and all my medication before, um, before consulting with my doctor, Whoever is listening listening to this, do not do that. I do not do not follow in my footsteps. Do not do that. But I knew at that point I had cut out all the sugar in my body, and I'm not saying that I I stopped taking my medicine and then I just walked away from it. I was constantly checking my blood sugar. I was watching what my body was doing. 
I didn't throw away my medication. I still had my insulin with me. I carried it with me at all time, but I was, I had, was already at the point where I had lost probably 80 pounds and I had completely cut out sugar. And I started noticing that my blood sugar was staying regularly. And it started with, okay, one night after dinner, I'm not going to give myself my shot. I'm going to see how my blood sugar was in the morning. I woke up in the morning. It was 75. I was like, okay, that seems normal. I'm not going to give myself my shot in the morning. I'm going to keep going. And I just kept rolling and it kept snowballing. Every day was fine. I was fine. I was eating. I was, you know, living my normal life. My blood sugar was staying constant. I was cutting out sugar. I was doing well. I wasn't having any issues. But I mean, and then finally, I went to the doctor probably like three months of doing that. And I was like, listen, I'm, uh, I'm not doing this. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I've been off my medication for three months. And she freaked out on me, you know, of course, because like I said, 100%, if you are listening to this, do not do what I do. It, it, it is something that could kill you. But, you know, I was, I had already died once. So, I mean, I figured, I, I figured, you know what, roll the dice. We got this. But uh, I was so determined to do it that, you know, I, I went back to the doctor. I said, hey, listen, we, or, let, let's talk this out. Obviously, it's been three months. I'm not going to eat junk food. And that's the thing, though. If I would have got off my medication and went right back to eating crap, it would have killed me. And I think that that kept me and that kept me accountable, too, is I knew that I could kill myself at any time with with food because I didn't have that medication. And I, and I think that's to interject for one second. I think that's the, the fear that doctors have because they know that most people don't stay with changed eating. Like that's why, oh, they, yeah. that's why they prescribe, you know, because I have, I have a, a friend that's type two diabetic whose nutritionist will often encourage him to eat cake and eat ice cream and, you know, have treats in your life because she knows that if she tells people to eliminate those foods, that they're going to struggle with that. So I think, oh, yeah. I, I think doctors expect that you're going to get, you know, you went off your medicine, but you're going to need it again eventually. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure my doctor thought that, you know, this kid's going to kill himself. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to eat so much sugar one day. He's going to snap. Right. Um, but I, I just had that switch. I, I had already almost died once. I knew that I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to mess up and I trusted myself and I believed in the process and I believed that staying consistent and, you know, eating healthy in the caloric deficit, all the stuff I studied for so long and watched on YouTube and read and all the articles and stuff like that. I was like, you know, it's simple. Just stay in a caloric deficit. Don't eat a bunch of processed food. Don't get, stay away from sugar. And that's what I did. And I stuck to it. And I got off my medicine. I haven't been, uh, I haven't had any diabetes. My blood sugar has been good. Everything's been fine. I have had no health issues besides this cyst that's came back. But, uh, that, but that's something that I can't control. So um, the only uh, good tip for any, uh, anyone out there, if you have a hairy, hairy rear end, you need to shave it. That's what my doctor said. So basically what happens with what I have with these uh, pineal assists are, I always thought it was the ingrown hair, which it actually isn't. So what it is, is when like a hair, a hair falls off. So like, say if you have hair on your butt, if your hair falls off and it gets like stuck in your jeans or it gets stuck in your crack when you're walking, it actually takes that loose hair and it drives it underneath your skin and that causes the infection. Oh, wow. So so that is, that was, yeah, I learned that when I was Wild. going in to talk to my doctor about this. Yeah, so it's it's not even that. It's just a hair gets lo lodged into your skin and it causes an infection. But uh, that, uh, you know, when I went first got on my journey and I, I started reading all the stuff about type 2 diabetes, the thing that really, you know, made me upset is there's a type 2 uh, diabetes uh, support group here in town. 
and if you go to their website, their number one thing is, uh, welcome to our page. This is a place to help you with your new lifestyle because this is something you'll live with for the rest of your life. And we're here to help you. That pisses me off so much. Uh, it makes me so upset because in, so I made a post on Reddit on the type two diabetes Reddit form about me reversing my diet. And I got, I got flamed for it. I got, I got trashed because people are like, you can't do that. You can't reverse type two diabetes. You can't do that. And I was like, well, I'm here. I'm not taking medicine. I just seems, it seems like some people are a little bit jealous and don't want to make a lifestyle change. Like I, I'm really real with people. Like I, there was a, I, I went back on that Reddit cause I, I never use it, but I went back on it uh, a couple days later and I saw someone piking a post and they made it really public. They're like, I am so sick and tired of people talking about how you can reverse type two diabetes and how you can beat it. And I was like, there's, if you Google, can you reverse type two diabetes? There's multiple articles about it. And there's, I mean, and, and people are so uh, object to it that I think so many people get stuck in this place that this is my life now and I can't be told anything different and I have to live this way. And if you did it, you're just lying. You didn't do that. Like we we're so like people get stuck in being told something and they don't think that there's anything else they can do. I, I wasn't going to settle for that. If I, I heard it from one doctor that I could change and get rid of my type two diabetes and guess what? I did it because I wasn't going to live my life by a needle in being, you know, stuck to a medication. And that it's such a touchy subject with people, but it is, it's very real. Like I know you're not the only person I know that has reversed type two diabetes. You know, I was undiagnosed, but I don't show any more signs of it. You know, like my, my doctor said, you're not diabetic, Like you probably were, but you're not like there. And that's like the, the big divide obviously is, Type one diabetes is not something that you can change. You cannot like that's not that's a, that's an actual physical disease. Type two diabetes is a disease that we bring on to ourselves in the end. Whether it, it's not something that no one asks for it, no one no one wants to be diabetic. Like no one's at, like I'm not trying to imply that or shame someone like if they they're diagnosed, but I realize that you can make changes that you might not like. But do you like taking shots? Do you like having to, to prick your finger all the time? Like, do you like that part of it? Like, I don't, that's the part for me that's hard to understand is like when someone would say they would rather, they would rather, you know, have to shoot insulin several times a day, you know, and stick themselves with a needle, than uh, change what they're eating. Exactly. And the, I think, you know, I never let anything bother me with my health stuff in a, so my grand my grandma was a type two diabetic, and uh, or not yeah she was type two diabetic and uh she uh she you know she was getting older and stuff like that it was getting worse, and they uh, ended up taking uh taking a couple of her toes, then one of her foot, um and then uh I watched that when I was really young. My grandma went and she was on dialysis for a while, and uh she actually died on the dialysis during dialysis she uh while on a dialysis machine and that I think that was another big motivation for me was that once I because I never you know you never think it's going to happen to you once I got became a type 2 diabetic and uh my grandma was a huge person in my life like uh, she she was amazing and uh watching her go through that and now seeing that I could be going through that I honestly that had a lot of a lot of effect on me too I mean not only being scared to death but watching my grandma lose, you know, toes, her feet, and then ended up dying on a dialysis machine like that. 
people don't we don't we don't put that into perspective until it happens to us and i think that's one thing that i tell people like i have friends that are bigger and you know they're concerned about their stuff and i was like dude don't wait don't wait because it could it could change in an instant i am very i will tell you 100 percent. i am very lucky to be alive i am 100 percent lucky to be alive and it's it's one of those things that you just have to make the change and if you want it bad enough you'll do it um and it's something that i'm passionate about i, I will I think that more people need to need to want the change and need to make it because honestly, our, our population's type two diabetes epidemic is out of control. And I don't want to, I don't want to see people live that way, but also it's hard to argue with someone who's so set in their ways thinking that they can never get rid of it. I argue all the time that says you didn't beat it. You it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And I was like, yeah, well, if I eat healthy and I don't ever consume, you know, a ton of sugar and stuff like that, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to, it's not going to come back. So that's what someone told me too, is I got an argument with someone and they were like, well, I'll tell you what you go home and you eat for the next three months. You drink Mountain Dew, you eat spaghetti, you eat, uh, you go back to the old way you were eating and then come back and tell me if, if your type two diabetes is beat. And I was like, so go back to eating all the bad stuff and like (laughs) drinking two liters of Mountain yeah, I'm gonna become a type two diabetic again. Yeah, go back to go back to the things that cause type two diabetes, and duh. And and, and I think the I honestly think the reason that I was able to get off my stuff so quickly is because I I think that's one thing that I am very lucky about. I think I caught my diabetes so quickly that I mean, I mean it shot up really bad, like it almost killed me. But I was my blood sugar was. I guess maybe where I was at that point where I was diabetic, um, when I started bringing it down, I was so strict on it and I wasn't on the insulin medication for so long that I think it actually helped me that I, uh, was able to get over it pretty quickly because I cut my diet so insane and I just cut out sugar completely. I think that helped me a lot, beat it, um, quicker than most people. But, uh, and I think that's where people get frustrated is they, a lot of people will see that they, it's taking them longer to get over it. And then they, it's all it's all about commitment just stay consistent that's the one thing i tell people and that was what i was gonna say It'll like happen. there are there are people out there like i i have friends that are type 2 diabetic that are changing their lot like eliminating sugar and losing weight but are you know are heavier people and they're they're want they want to you know they're i think they, they get a little frustrated that a few months in that they're not completely quote-unquote cured and it, it's got to take time and work for something like our bodies all respond differently you need to let your body heal. Like depending on how long you've been in a certain condition, like your body can take longer to heal. Like there's things on my body that haven't healed. Like I still have signs of neuropathy in my feet. Like there's things that haven't changed yet. Like it takes time. And, and that having that, you know, giving that the change, the time, I think is just really, really important. But I think one of the things like you hit on that you're doing, man, is like, you know, not only do you have to, you know, argue with people on Reddit and things along those lines, like you're convincing people it's possible by living, you know, the life that you're living and, and sharing your story. And, you know, I just really appreciate you taking the time to share it with our listeners today, because I, I think there's a lot in there for people to learn from. So I, I, you know, we're not we're not done talking yet, but I want to make sure that I say thank you to you for for being willing to be open about what happened to you and share those experiences. Of course. I, I mean, like I said, it was an honor to be on here. And, you know, I, I was excited that you reached out to me. Um, I'm glad, too, because I, I think this is one of the longest podcasts I've got to do with anybody. And we touched on a lot of stuff that I've never talked to 
talked about with people before. It's mostly just we we talk surface level as far as, you know, basically I lost the weight, what I do, simple stuff. This is you really got to dive into a lot of stuff. Um, but one thing that you touched on too, I just kind of want to go back to, I will, I will never speak on anyone who has uh, type 1 diabetes. That is completely different. Um, I have friends who are type 1 and I see what they go through. Um, I will never speak on that. Type 2 is completely, I mean, it's, it's, it's this it's the same process basically your body not being able to produce insulin but this is a, a different type and it's definitely something that i i will fight tooth and nail with anybody who says it's not curable it is i would say it's something that you can reverse you can reverse type 2 diabetes you can do it um it's just it's one of those things that it may take a lot longer for people that you know who have been on insulin for a long time and have you know built up their body to be a you know to be used to getting insulin injections but hey it's something you can fix especially if you're young like that's the crazy thing we have such a young dem- uh young generation right now developing type 2 diabetes your body is, your body is so resilient when it's young it can bounce back from anything like we talked earlier i broke my arm at 13 and didn't even realize it for four weeks like your body can handle so much abuse like but you eat we could really fix it when you're young. That's a big thing. Yeah, that I mean, I think that, that's a whole. We could probably talk for another two hours about the fact that you know type two diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes. Yes, and they, and they don't call it that anymore because children, you know, young children under the age of ten, you know, three, four, five years old are going to the doctor and and showing you know are are showing signs of type two diabetes. But- like it's not. It's not an adult condition that you have to accept is going to occur because someone else in your family has it. Can there be a propensity to it? Possibly. But is it more about probably the habits of the family? I would say so. Diabetes is such, is such an epidemic in our country, you know, all over the world. It's seriously, it's such a huge deal. And it's, it's something that, you know, I see people, you know, saying, oh, they, they're doing so much research into it and putting so much money into it. Like, why aren't we just teaching people healthy diet? Like, why aren't we just taking those steps? Well, look now that like they're even starting to say that they're that Alzheimer's and dementia are type three diabetes, you know, like that there's there's dietary effects, you know, affecting those those diseases like it's there's the food has power. And I think like that's the overall piece is that like there is an impact on your body and your food choices, you know, are going to can have a real impact on your health. At the end of the day, you know, if if that's not a big enough, like, oh, my oh, my God, that's obvious moment, like food can impact your health. Think about that, people, if you're not like it really can. And, and you know, I, I, I think your story shows that food can be used as a tool to heal uh, yourself as well. But speaking of healing, before we we move on to like the fat guy five and wrap wrap up our discussion today, you're you're going under the knife again soon. Like I, I, you know, I, I hope that that, yes. <laughs> you, I don't, I don't want that to get lost in all of this. Like you're going, you're going in for the surgery. Like they are, is this what they're going in to remove the, like basically kind of physically remove what's the remnants of the cyst. Yeah. So, uh, I go in actually Monday at, uh, like 8am. Uh, they, I, I'm one of those people that do dumb things too. So I looked up the surgery online and watched oh. it, you know, yeah no don't oh. people if you're having if you're, if you're having any kind of surgery don't uh. don't google it so i went on youtube of course and searched it uh it's gonna be it looks real gross it doesn't seem fun they gotta cut they gotta cut most like up mostly at my back and then they'll stitch me up and stuff like that but 
they have to remove like a lot of skin. So the, the thing that kind of what most people don't think about with surgery, um, something that it still bugs me till today. I had my appendix out last year and being a bigger guy who's lost a lot of weight, as you know, you know, you get loose skin and the way that they put my stomach back together when they, when they, uh, did my appendix, they basically took a bunch of loose skin and bunched it up in the front. So it looks like I have a second belly button and it really drives me nuts. Uh, it, it, it's actually, it's a, it's one day when I can afford the loose skin surgery, it's something I want to do just cause it, it, I know it's not something that physically is affecting, but, but mentally it bugs the hell out of me when I have my shirt off and I see, I see this skin that's been pulled tight in one area. And then, uh, so now I'm kind of nervous cause I have loose skin on my back and stuff like that around my hips. So we'll see when they, cause basically what they're going to do is flame, flame my back open and then pull it, cut out all the bad stuff and pull it tightly together again. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but it should be, it's only, the surgery is only going to be for like an hour. They said, um, if everything goes good, it, I mean, we're hoping for the best. If everything goes good, uh, it'll be an hour. They'll sew me back up, put me stitches and then two weeks of laying in bed. If they open me up and there is still a lot of infection in there, which we're hoping not for, it's been five years, but I did just get another cyst down there a while ago that came back. That's what started this all. Um, there's infection there. They're going to cut me open and basically they cut out all the infection, but they leave. They don't sew me back up. They leave the, ins they leave me open. They sew up most of it and they pack it full of gauze. And then I, for the next week and a half, I have to go to a wound care with drains they'll leave drains in me and stuff like that and they like remove the gauze every day clean my wounds out put it back in so i'd have to do that for a week and then if if that's the case then i'm gonna be out out of work a lot longer if they just stitch me back up i'll be back and work back to work in two weeks if the wound gets left over it could be three to four weeks it'd be a month basically so we're hoping for the best monday we go in we get it done i should be i should be home i, I mean i go in at 8 a.m i should be home by noon if everything's successful well, obviously, man, prayers for the best for that. And if there are people out there listening that, you know, are inspired by your story and also want to send you some well wishes for what you've got coming up, you know, send you some well wishes for the surgery. Like, how can people reach out to you, PJ? How, where can they find you? Uh, the, the main thing that I'm, I mean, I'm going to be in bed for two weeks after surgery. So I'm going to be very active on there. Uh, so my, my Instagram, as we talked in the beginning, is WTCBTC. It stands for want the change, be the change. But my Instagram is, you know, where you can find me the most. Uh, that's where I'm always active at. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I haven't uploaded in like six months. I keep telling myself that I'm going to do it. And I, I want to focus this year on actually getting back involved in it. Uh, but with work and life, you know, we get busy. So Instagram, I try and stay up to date with. But yeah, if you guys want to come talk to me on Instagram, I'm willing to talk to anybody. My messages are open. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to be in bed for two weeks, so I'm going to be kind of bored. So if you guys have messages on any kind of health issues or anything like that, just uh, feel free. I would, I would love to help anyone I can or at least give any advice that I can. Definitely. And I'll put links uh, to your to your Instagram in the show notes for people for sure. And hey, if you're going to be laid up for a couple of weeks, that might be a good time to, to get working on your YouTube again. You never know. You know, yeah. that, that could no, be yeah, you know, an opportunity there for you, man. So, PJ, I want to say thank you. And, and we're going to move into um we'll, we'll we'll come back together kind of give you some last words in a, in a little bit but first let's move into the last questions of the day the fat guy five if you're ready for them all right let's go okay so here we go so pj living or dead tell us who is your favorite fat guy oh chris farley 100 percent. there we go 
That's the I, I feel like I, I have to just do a, a general generic voiceover recording of people saying Chris Farley and everyone will just use that. Like I, I think he's probably at like ninety five percent of responses so far. So I Yeah, Chris he's the man. I would say I Oh yeah. And he yeah, God, yeah. No, Chris Farley, hundred percent. Huge he, he 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 was what I wanted to be like when I was a kid. I wanted to be the funny fat guy. Um, I, it sucks that, you know, his life ended so shortly, you know, with drugs and stuff like that. He would have, I would have, I would have loved to see him on the screen with like Will Ferrell and stuff nowadays with the people like big actors like that. He, he would have made so far, but Chris Farley, hundred percent. Awesome. Question number two, going back to, to PJ's bigger days, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, at the time when I was like. Uh, probably working my my no in job uh, when I was like 18 and I had no money. The thing I always got, I would get two double cheeseburgers, two McChickens, a large fry, and a Coke. And I think that a large Coke, I think it came out to like six bucks. And then you'd stack the McChicken and the McDouble on top of each other. And it was called a McGangbang. So that, that was, that was the thing that was, that was the go to. There you go. I, and actually, pro tip, if you go to some McDonald's and you order that, they'll make it for you. I've heard that. And it's funny. For, <laughs> for some reason, I lived oblivious to that. I never heard of it until after I, I, I had lost, you know, was losing weight and could never experience it. But, you know, I'm I, I'm jealous of everyone that I, that was able to. So I, I, it's not the best. It's not that good. Oh, I know. I know. It's it's crap food. Let's be realistic. But, you know, don't at me, McDonald's. You're crap food. Uh, question number three. So we, we, we went a little in depth into this, but I want to know, like, what is your number one piece of advice to someone who's sitting out there, you know, still 400 pounds, possibly, you know, dealing with diabetes issues and all of those things? What is your number one piece of advice to that person to help them get started on their journey? Don't overthink it, honestly. That's, that's something that I've, I, I, I got in my own mind so much in the beginning and every time I wanted to lose weight, I overthought it. I thought that everything needed to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect when you first start. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to be prepared for everything. But if you start and you start, you know, and you give it your all and you start, your things are going to roll. It's going to become a snowball and you'll start understanding more about your body. You'll start learning more because you'll be interested in, you know, changing. Um, just just don't think about it. Just start. That's That's got to be the, I mean, it's it's the most easiest, simplest thing I can say, but it's effective. If you if you sit and you overthink, you know, what if oh, you know, I need to do this, I need to do that, just don't overthink it. Just get up. If you want to go for a walk around the block, at least you're doing more than you were yesterday and you're putting the effort in. Just continue from there. It's gonna be a snowball effect. Awesome. And I'm not gonna overthink that answer. I'm gonna move us on to question four, which is PJ, what person, podcast, YouTube channel, book do you recommend to someone? that needs motivation well of course this podcast but uh um i i've uh of course john obese to beast amazing guy i would say he, he's been such a such a real amazing guy um funny enough the person he doesn't do it he's kind of changed now um but the person i used to watch a long time ago was i watched uh bradley martin oh yeah the bodybuilder mm -hmm. um i actually met him uh last year and I'll tell you what, uh, growing, I mean, watching his bodybuilding stuff and watching him lift weights in, he, he really taught me a lot of how to, you know, build muscle. Um, so I went to the Olympia and I met him and I'll tell you what, that was, 
one of the most eye-opening and genuine experiences I've had. Um, Cause I figured, you know, he had a line of like 250 people and I went there and I had a shirt on that I post on my Instagram that says, you know, I lost 210 pounds and uh, reverse type two diabetes. And I wore that in a, I told him, I was like, man, you watching your videos helped me do this. And uh, he stopped, he shut down his, his meet and greet for like 15 minutes and pulled me aside and talked to me. And uh, yeah, he had a one-on-one with me and like, he, he asked me a lot of questions. Like before, like, like I started talking to a lot of people, he asked me a lot of really deep questions about my past and why did I like why did I let myself get that big? What what was in my heart? What was making me do this? Like some really deep stuff like I wasn't expecting. And like and like he kept hugging me and like he was just like such a real genuine guy. And uh I like I left I left his booth and like I was in tears. Like I was like I was I was just like so overwhelmed and like he had his staff give me like a bunch of clothes and stuff like that. So I mean now his YouTube obviously it's it's a it's a place to make money, so he makes a lot more uh like funny stuff, but him back in the day was huge. Uh, of course, I watched like a bunch of Danny Gets Fit. But of course, the originals, you know, Yarp and uh, 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 Alex and stuff like that on Instagram. They, they're they huge. Those kids are killing it. And uh, and I, I love the content they make, the content they make. Well, there you go, man. That all sounds really great. And uh, I'm excited that you had that experience because I think that, you know, sometimes when you we see people from afar and you know, you meet them in real life, you know, you don't know what to expect. And that's great that you kind of had that trend, you know, that kind of transformative experience meeting him. So that, that's good to hear. It's it's cool too. Cause I, it, uh, the same thing with John, John is the exact same person online as he is when you, when you sit down and talk with him, it's, 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 it's great. Completely, completely. He totally is. That's, and that's, what's really funny is like when you talk to him offline or you talk to him online, like it's, this, he's he's a very genuine real person i think i think john's fantastic so last question of the day for you my friend what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health or fitness related hmm uh move i'm gonna be moving actually that's that's a goal of mine in my life i want to do uh, uh i just want to move to a different town nice so that has a little more that has a little more opportunity so uh, looking from to looking to move to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, cool! I currently I currently live in Arizona, but uh, I live uh probably like three hours away from there. But just with uh way with my career is going, um, there's a lot more opportunity out there. I'm starting to to really make a, a good impact in the job that I'm at. So they've talked about moving me out there, and then also there's there's just more opportunity. And the place I live right now, there's like two gyms and I really want to move somewhere that has like a lot of cool fitness stuff and like a lot of cool, like stuff like that. Cause that's what gets me excited. I, I I'm excited to like go out and like do like the cool, like I always see, like I, I've, I want to try, like, I know everyone like Alex is huge into CrossFit and John is, um, we have like one here, but I, I want, I want to like go out there and do like all the cool, like they have like an outdoor CrossFit gym and stuff like that. Like there's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff I just want to try. So I think moving, I've, I've, I've always lived in small towns. So moving to Phoenix will be cool. So that's, that's my big goal for this year. There you go. And, and I, I think that'll be exciting for us all to watch. And um, I'm just excited for you, man. So thank PJ. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Are there any last words you want to get out there to the audience at the Fat Guy Forum before we wrap up? You know, uh, just, I think everyone, I want everyone who like follows any, any, any influencer on Instagram or anyone who you consider, you know, an inspiration, just remember that they, they are, they're still a person and 
just because they did it doesn't mean you can't compete or can't do the exact same thing they did. I, I, if you look at anyone who's lost weight, you can do it too. Don't, don't ever, don't ever doubt yourself. And I, I, I love social media. I think it's a great platform for everyone to connect, but also you have to understand that people are only going to put out the best things in the things they want you to see. And it's going to trick you into thinking, Oh, I'm not doing as well as they are. Don't compete with social media. That's all fake. That's why, I mean, I, I, I try and keep it as real as I can with, you know, talking about, you know, the struggles that I go through. Cause I think it relates to people. People have to understand that if you're going to just post pictures every day, uh, you know, in the gym, you know, Hey, if that's what you're doing, good for you. But people have to, you have to understand if you're someone who's just starting your journey, don't get overwhelmed by people, uh, who are on it. Like, except, except for, I can't figure out Alex. This dude is a legend. He is in the gym every day at four in the morning. He is a, he, and he is so real and such a beast about it. So, but he keeps, he keeps me motivated, man. That kid is insane. Please don't do anything to inflate his ego any more than it already is. I know, is. I know. Oh, I'm going to have to edit this out. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to chop that back. Oh, <laughs> oh. well, he's fueled by, he's fueled by peanut butter Oreos. So he gets that extra energy. He gets that extra energy. I don't know how he does it either, but he's, he's pretty epic. So he's, he he, he's going to appreciate hearing that for sure. Don't, don't doubt that at all. <laughs> Well, PJ, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. And everyone out there who's listening, you know, think about the amazing things that PJ has done and do something today to amaze yourself because you, my friends, you know, I don't say it enough. You really are amazing people. This has been your host, Gourmet. You can connect with me, of course, on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes keto. You can connect with me on Twitter at Gourmet goes keto. You can email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. Catch us again real soon with another great fat dude story here on the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.